You're listening to Deeper Magic. Hey everyone, this is the Deeper Magic. I am Peter, and I'm here with my daughter Anna, but not in studio. She is coming to us uh, virtually from Scotland again. Hey Anna, say hi Anna. That's the way hi. you say. It. So, yeah. Hi, Anna. There you Thank go. You. Okay, great. Now, when we did our first run through of this, we hard, we don't typically have to stop and start over again, but we did because we had a lot of technical no, difficulties no. on this. I actually said you were my virtual daughter and you were so offended with the idea because then I brought up the, the thought that many people in your generation, maybe not many, that's an exaggeration. There no. is There is some people in your generation that are I think they're so romantically hopeless right now or lost that they're starting to date and marry their avatars that they create online. But I also read another thing today, Anna, on CNN that said that some people are starting oh, to marry the themselves. The most reliable. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. So, but they are actually having ceremonies where they marry themselves. And so... I mean, are we just this? Are we in such dire straits romantically? Yeah, I know that for you, you you sometimes say it's tough to find a young man of substance and and worth that you'd want to date. But are we have we really yeah. been reduced to dating pixelated images of our own creation or marrying ourselves? They literally were doing vows to themselves. I promise to cherish you and I promise to love you uh-huh. to themselves. So I don't. I'm, what are we talking about here? I have a I have a couple of things to say about that. First of all, I want to clarify something. I was not offended by you incorrectly saying that I was your virtual daughter. I think that was fine. I thought that was funny. I was offended by the insinuation that I would be interested in dating an AI. That was where I was mad. <laughs> That's probably um, fair. So let's let's keep that clear. Let's let's keep the message honest. Okay. Here. Okay. All right. That's um, fair because I did suggest I that. Offended. Yeah, I thought that maybe you would be at least somewhat tempted to go on ChatGPT uh, and and maybe try to create something. At least ask the AI about w- what you can do romantically. See, because my thing is, is that like my dating life is not fantastic, but it's not that bad. Well, and I think the other thing about it is that I'm not quite sure where you are getting your information from about AI dating and and marrying yourself and whatever. I I hope you know that's not like something that is sweeping through my generation. <laughs> like that's a that's a very few people on the outliers. Like when we talk about survival of the fittest, that's what that's applying to. Like that's just that's the fact that our society has progressed enough that in first world countries survival of the fittest isn't a thing anymore and maybe it should be. Um <laughs> but the thing about marrying yourself the reason why I started laughing when you brought that up is because I unfortunately and I am ashamed of this I watched all 6 seasons of Glee that show was a train wreck and I still don't think that it was real it was one of those where as I was watching it I was so into it and then I finished the show took a break for a week and tried to watch an episode and I was like how is this real? This whole thing is a fever dream. There's no way it got approved to be on television. But there's a whole episode where the cheerleading coach, Sue Sylvester, who is made out to be the villain of the show, she is not. She is the only sane character on the show, and that's saying a lot. Um, she marries herself. She does in not. In a tracksuit wedding dress. A she does. Track it's suit incredible. Wedding. <laughs> it's it's one of the best episodes of the whole show. But yeah, she she marries herself. Well, I just so 
There is an old Saturday Night Live skit that I would have grown up with in which the character would stand in front of the mirror every morning and say, I am special, I am great, I am loved, or something like that. Is there any... But it was a parody. It was like mocking Mm -hmm. the idea of needing to uh, have a bunch of self-talk to say how amazing you are. Why did she want to marry herself in this episode? Because when I read the article from the ever-reliable CNN news source, yeah, <laughs> it was. It basically said people had been hurt relationally. They were tired of being hurt relationally. And so they went to, to themselves and said, no, I'm actually valuable and, and worthy. And so I'm going to marry myself and make a vow to myself that I will always love myself. Yeah, I... Well, first of all, I want to say... I do not remember why she married herself. I blocked out so much of that show <laughs> that I I have no idea what the context of that was. Um, but, and, and the thing that I will say is that I used to laugh at like affirmations and whatever um, as well. Like I, I thought it was silly for a very long time and I still feel stupid when I do affirmations. Like that doesn't change the fact that I feel ridiculous when I look in the mirror and say positive things about myself But part of the psychology of it is it does actually change the way that you perceive yourself. It changes the way that you think about yourself. That's fair. Um, And so more and more often, it has been a really helpful tool that has been used in therapy to, like, help repair the really damaged self-concept that a lot of people have. Um, But, yeah, I don't know that I would go so far as to, like, have a ceremony dedicated to, like basically self-affirmation for the rest of my life. Like, I I don't know that that necessarily requires a wedding ceremony of some sort. (laughs) Yeah. One of the, one of the people actually put a ring on her finger and then she got married, married to a a live human being Uh, in a, in a year later, uh, her husband uh, put a different ring on her finger. So she now she has her ring where she married herself and then she has her husband's ring on her finger too. So just, Sort of interesting. We'll have to get into more of your dating life uh, down the road here. Or we but, could not. Or we could not. Maybe this is this is a good time to, to transition our conversation to our guests who are in studio today with me. Yeah, sure. All right. Anything to get the spotlight off me right now. I love that. Okay, well, we do have a couple of guests we're excited to have join us this morning. One is your sister, my daughter, Abigail, who is uh, just turning her sweet 16 here coming soon. And mm-hmm. the reason why she is on with us is she has just written her first draft of her original script for theater. She's a theater kid. And uh, we just had the first That's reading. So unfortunate. Of, I know. Loud but and proud. We just we just had the first reading of it last night. And Anna, I sure wish you could have been here because there were other adults mm-hmm. in the room as well. And I don't know what I expected necessarily going into it, but it didn't take long to note that this was legit. Like this could actually play on some of the bigger stages in terms of the the quality of the story. And I know I'm biased as her dad in saying that, but there are other adults in the room who are not her dad who were saying something similar and even were reflecting 24 hours-ish later and saying, I'm still thinking about the play because Abby plays around with themes of meaning and themes of death and themes of life and, and all sorts of stuff that I know are part of the spiritual questions of the day. So I thought it'd be fun to have her on and, and talk about that. And then our other guest is Lucian Book, who, Lucian, are you, are you 11 years old? How old are you? <laughs> yes, I'm, um, no, I'm, I'm 15 years old. You're 15 old. years yep. old, isn't you? <laughs> yep. I'm pretty sure yeah. you probably need some, some kind of disclaimer from well, your parents to I join us. I get that a lot. I actually, I get, I a get, waiver I've, of some kind. A waiver, yeah, right. exactly. I actually have people who will be like, what, I, I've been, it's probably a year ago or so, somebody was like, are you 11? 
Yeah, but and here's the thing. You like recently, you're in that stage of your adolescence where well, you're growing yeah. one foot every day. Well, I'm like <laughs> I think you're almost over 11 feet tall right now. I don't know how that works. Are you sore from all of the growth? Because literally in the last six months, you've gone from probably under five feet to I feel like you're looking me in the eye right now She's at nearly six than feet. Me. Oh, right. so you're, yeah, exactly. So maybe yeah. this is so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I do count bit. myself as an abnormally short person. But. You're hardly. Yeah, <laughs> alpha male syndrome is feeling threatened. So he's exaggerating Lucian's height. Trying to diminish Lucian here in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. so the reason, and we thought this is a perfect time to have you on as well because you also are a theater kid, and you are in the upcoming performance in the theater company Kaleidoscope, where you've done Susical and you've done Frozen, and now the upcoming performance is Godspell. And Anna, you know a little bit more about Godspell than I do, but Lucian, you were given the role of Jesus in Godspell. So talk about uh, within the context of theater and within the context of acting and script writing, you guys both are going to be, and you're in some pretty significant subjects that aren't just only for your generation. They really are for really anybody with some of the questions that they ask. So we're glad to have you guys on. Anna, sure wish you were with them and me in studio right now because it's pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. Avi, I'll have you know that whenever I talk about you to other people, whenever people are like, oh, what? who are your siblings or what are they like or whatever, I'm like, and there's Avi and she's my younger sister. She's almost 16. She's cooler now than I will ever be in my whole oh, life, yeah. but I'm very upset about it. Um but yeah, I was saying the um our older brother yesterday um that I I think I had just misunderstood what this play was or like what the significance of it was. I thought it was something that you were doing for one of your summer camps. Um I I hadn't realized like that this was a large scale production that you had been working on for a long time and will be working on for a long time. Um, so I am sorry to say that I know very little about this other than that it exists. Um, but I would love to like actually sit down and and have a phone call with you and, and talk about what this play is, um, and what it looks like. And I think from what I've heard about it, just from other people, I think thematically it probably lines up a lot with what I am working on right now as my capstone project, um, where I'm writing a fiction novel about time and identity and life and death and names and purpose and all of that. Um, and so it, se- it seems like what you're working on and what I'm working on are, are probably pretty similar. Um, and then also just, hi, Lucian. How's it going? <laughs> I'm um, doing I'm, I'm doing excited good. for you for yep. Godspell. That's so fun. <laughs> yep. I've seen it once and I loved it. And I would love to hear what you have to say about all of that as well. No, it's a pretty cool show for sure. I'm pretty excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's start with you, actually, Lucian, on this one. You had auditions when? It was a few weeks ago now? Yeah. Auditions are probably, yeah, I don't know. I mean, almost a month ago, three weeks or so. It's been a while. And then in within Godspell, there's really only three main uh, characters that mm-hmm. get some of the bigger roles, right? Is it, Correct me if I'm wrong. It's Jesus yeah. and John the Baptist and Judas, right? Yep. Yep. So were you hoping for any one of those roles when you auditioned? Were you thinking, gosh, I would love to play John the Baptist, for example? Or were you really thinking mm-hmm. Jesus? Or you thought, gosh, I'd love to take a whack at Judas. What was going in your mind when you were auditioning? I honestly came into it with, uh, well, I mean, the thing about God's Bill is there's, uh, actually was quite surprised hearing about this because it's unlike a lot of other shows I've been in where there's like a ton of the named roles and then there's the ensemble. Uh, and so I think that's something that is super cool about this show is that uh, most 
most of the show and all the roles are ensemble. Um, so, or, or, well, I should say everybody gets a part. Everybody has something to do. Um, so I just think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I came into the audition with, uh, really low expectations. I didn't really know, uh, what was the deal. I knew that I was a guy, so I would have the opportunity to, or I I could have had a chance to be able to get one of those three roles, but I didn't really know who I wanted to be. I mean, I would have loved Judas, Jesus, whoever, um, I mean, I know I, I knew I had a chance. I just, yeah, I didn't know. So when the uh, the email came to me about the uh, role that I got, um, Jesus, I was uh, nothing prepared me for it. I was it was actually quite emotional, which I'm not an emotional person, so that somewhat surprised me. But um, yeah, I'm just super excited for this role. So and Abby, you're in for full disclosure. You're in Godspell as well. You're part of the ensemble. You have some some lead sort of dancing and singing roles as part of that, right? Yeah, I'm supposed to signify Mary Mag. Oh, right. Okay. So as a script writer, oh, though, wow. yeah, mm-hmm. right. I know. So it, just in light of what Lucian just said, as a script writer, I assume you are looking for people that not only just can play the role, but somehow embody the role a bit. When you even think about Lucian playing the role of Jesus, does, th- does that sound somehow different than Lucian playing... Hamilton or Lucian playing the Phantom of the Opera <laughs> no. or Lucian playing. Do that. We're, we're talking about playing Jesus here. It's some, it, does it sound different from your ears as a scriptwriter? I'm going to be real honest here, Lucian. I was shocked when you yep. got well, Jesus. Same. I was shocked too. Yeah. Was it because of Lucian's character? Was well, it yeah, his, you're just was, such a flawed human. Yeah, yeah that's fair. So I just really couldn't imagine you playing Jesus. Yep. No. Um, I think I can't wait to see what you do with the role and where our director is going to lead you with it. But I just, I don't think I know enough about the show to honestly say how I think you're going to do or how much I expected it. But I will say when I've seen our brother Samuel perform before Mm -hmm. he is the big strong male lead usually because he is talented and whatever. (laughs) Um, But whenever I watch him perform, I forget that he's my brother and I'm like, oh, hey, this is Hans standing in front of me. This is Laurie standing in front of me. And I think I have a hunch that that is how you are going to embody Jesus. I think it's going to be really powerful. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. I think it's uh, super cool because, um, Avi, as we, as you will be uh, talking about soon, uh, you do create your own plays, whether it's um, derived from a certain play and you just turn into what you feel like or whatever. Um, so I was in uh, Little Women with, uh, as you, uh, as you uh, being the director. And um, so I had a ton of friends in that. But something that was super cool was that uh, you called me. Um, we actually, yeah, we had a call and you. Um, the character that I was, you, um, like dove into that character and it was like something I never thought of before. It's like, oh my goodness, it's more than just playing the character. It's like embodying the character, being that character. So, uh, yeah, it was a ton of things like, what would, what do you think, how, how would this character ask or act in this situation? How would this character like, like um, respond and whatever. So I just thought that was super cool and it really helped me kind of be able to, um, connect with that. Um, so yeah, I think that that is super cool. And so for the role of Jesus, I'm really hoping to go into it with that. Um, so I do, I do realize, and I realized it from the start, this is not something to be taken lightly. 
Um, I think honestly, it's going to be connecting with Jesus himself. Like Mm. this is something that it's not like, you know, going to just be like, you're going to do this. You're going to act, you're going to, you know, help. You're going to have help from the directors and the singers, whatever. It's going to be like, you're connecting with your heavenly father and whatever. So yeah, I just think that that's super cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Abby, you and I have talked about this a little bit in writing, both in script writing and in like novel writing, that it it sometimes feels like the character goes in their own direction or kind of does their own thing. Um, and, and even though technically you're the one writing the character, they've just gone off in a completely different tangent <laughs> than what you were expecting and suddenly you have to start over. Um, but I think those are the the stories that we know are about something different. Like the way that I have tried to describe it before is that when I when I have found a story that feels really important, um, I mean, even like I just said, like I find it, like it's not like I'm creating it. It's like it already existed in the universe and I'm just the vessel through which it is coming into being in our world. Um, and so Lucian, I feel like that is kind of what you're talking about with this role of Jesus, where it's almost like, I mean, obviously that character existed in the world, right? But like, yeah, that the, the role in that story that you are going to be playing is already out there in, in the world, in the universe, in the spiritual realm, in the whatever. And you just get to let it like you are just the channel that is letting that happen on stage. And I think that's so important that you can even recognize that that's such a weighty role in so many ways. Yeah, no, honestly, I think, um, yeah, absolutely. It's just, uh, and I like this from my director. uh, They tell tell us that it's, um, it's not, for yourself, um, but it is for Jesus and it's for the audience and for God, whatever. And I, yeah, I think that's completely true because it's like, you're not just, um, you're not just doing it just to put on a play. And yes, while it is for the audience, it is also, you know, for God. Um, so yeah, I just think that that's really cool. And yeah, can completely connect that. So I mean, I'll throw out a word out on the table for all of us to kick around in light of this role that you have to play Lucian is it's the word hypocrite. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have this necessarily a positive connotation. And I think the reason why it doesn't is we probably all experience our own personal hypocrisy or what we've seen in the church. And to be a hypocrite just simply means that how I am in my internal world that no one else sees, that in the quietness of my own thoughts, the things that I think about, the things that I might do, whatever it is, is different than how I present myself out to the public, right? And so there's this there's this disconnect between my interior world of values and attitudes and everything and then how I present myself. And in that definition, we all are hypocrites on some level. And that's, that's not the fear. But I think what's interesting about this role, and again, this is for the whole table now, is that in the Christian faith, there's all this language that we're supposed to be Jesus-like in the world. We're yep. supposed to be Christ-like. So on some level just because you're playing Jesus in Godspell, that is not unfamiliar to any of us that are believers because in theory, we're supposed to be somehow embodying Jesus to the visible world. And yet I think all of us experience some measure of hypocrisy, meaning that 
I don't know how Jesus actually is in his interior world of yeah. attitudes and values and dispositions and everything, yeah. but I would imagine that his and mine are not always totally aligned, and yet I'm doing the best that I can. So I guess maybe, Abby, I'll throw it over to you first. Uh, any thoughts <laughs> about this? Because this is not just Lucian, as I've said, playing a role in, in Godspell. This is now a question for all of us about just the difficulty of that and the challenge of all of this. I will say... um, I am so glad I'm not playing Jesus. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That would be so much work for me. Um, I think, I mean, obviously you can't be Jesus. You just have to get as close to it as you can. Um, but I think it's just an interesting concept where you have to like, maybe in order to embody the character the way in such a way where the audience will really feel moved by it. You almost have to become it yourself. It's what you were talking about earlier where you have to become the character. But with this, it's just so different because this character actually existed and was like the center of our Christian faith. And yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the burden that that feels like. Well, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, like I said earlier, it is something not to be taken lightly. And yeah, I've gotten definitely a few people who are like, yeah, I'm super glad I'm not going to be Jesus. And I'm like, well, thanks for the, thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> yeah. like, thanks for the vote of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah no, I'm super glad I'm going to be this character. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, I think it's honestly like, it's just so um, like with, with Jesus, it's like you said, it's something that's not like not to be taken lightly. And I know I've said that multiple times, but it's just, it's, it's just something that's, um, difficult, you know, and obviously you're not going to get, you're not going to be Jesus. Like you said, and it's the, the whole, like, what would Jesus do? And I think honestly, in my opinion, that can be discouraging because you can't, if you, if you don't feel like, if you don't feel like you can get if you, like you can you can get there, then you'll feel down, discouraged, and I've experienced this myself. Like I'm gonna, I want to give up, you know that kind of thing. So I think it's definitely tough. And um, one thing that I've just I heard from my director uh, at a different theater company a while ago uh, when I was playing a character was, um, I actually I was at auditions and I did, um, I did my audition so well, and my director told me that. I'm able to embody the emotion that I play so well that it is as if I I have that emotion inside myself at that point. So I think that that's definitely something that I want to be able to take into this to turn it into like what you were saying, something that's going to be heartfelt and touching and like that's that's what's going to get you to be the most like Jesus, that, that emotion, that tenderness and yeah. Yeah. Well, and Avi, um, when we were talking about, gosh, Dad, I don't even really remember what your initial prompt was because I have the attention span of a goldfish. Um, <laughs> just, just hypocrite, goldfish, hypocrite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, just Avi, you and I were part of a conference that happened a couple of weeks ago where we talked about Leaf by Niggle and the idea of the permanence of art and being sub-creators under God um, and that whole thing. So I was wondering if you wanted to recap some of that and then talk about it in terms of some of what you're exploring in your play? Yeah. Um, some of what they were talking about was just that um, we should try and create things the best we can without becoming God and creating mm-hmm. our own worlds, our own people. But 
also that's what the call is as an artist <laughs> to create those yeah. things. Um, so, yeah, they were just talking about um, not creating when it isn't coming from God um, and always being thankful that God created first so that you may create after him. Um, yeah. And really quickly, one of the things about that that I really loved was the idea as well of being able to uh, collaborate with other creators and to have it be a a group creation rather than just a solo thing, but also just the willingness to set it down and walk away and recognize that it's not yours Um, and that if you're trying to to make it yours, then it is a, a time to set it down and to um, give it back to God before you try to re-enter that project. Well, and I think in light of that question too, Abby, how do you bring sort of your full flawed self to it, knowing that you aren't the creator, we're all flawed. And just maybe one last comment on the hypocrisy thing, just to wrap that part of it up. I, I don't think we have to be scared of that. I, I think if our, our if we're scared of our, our hypocrisy, then our picture of God has to change because that's not Mm -hmm. consistent with, I mean, God clearly knows what's going on in our interior world and moves towards us in the midst of all of that in love and hope and all of that. So, uh, because we are flawed, but how do you, when you think about creating something in light of what you and Anna were just talking about, how do you bring your full flawed self to the table in doing that? Yeah. Easy questions. (laughs) Well, yeah, Yeah. but I think you, I know that you are deep thinkers enough to think about these things for sure. You are. We, and we all do like, no matter what we do, we're bringing our full flawed self to the table. Yeah. Honestly, though, Dad, I'm only 15. Like, yeah. Come on. (laughs) No, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We can't do this. We can talk. Is it Barbies or is that, are you past that stage? (laughs) I can't even look at you. You Um, love Barbies. What are you talking about? (laughs) I, Polly Pockets was a Polly Pocket. I loved Polly we, Pockets. Actually, I, I, who, okay. I, you know the thing you never lose your love for Polly Pockets. No, you just so fun. you just always lose the little rubber boots. You can never you can never find. Yeah. Where they're just they too go? small. Exactly. Yeah, I have a secret affection for Polly Pockets. Yeah, mine's yeah. not even secret anymore. Just wait, wait till you're my age. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yep. All right. So yeah, you're bringing your flaws self to the table, like Anna yeah. was talking about, in this creative activity. Yeah, and I think actually, Anna, when you were talking about collaborative writing, I. Um, the second semester project for my script writing class was doing a collaborative script and the entire class had to write a show together. Um, and it was a really difficult process. Um, and we all got angry and upset with each other because one person would have a vision for the show that the other didn't. And it just kind of wound here and there. And thank goodness our teacher was there to mediate. Um, but I had a writing partner for my set of characters and it was just so humbling talking to her every once in a while where we had different scenes to write and I, she would be like, okay, I'm going to write this scene because my strength is whatever this scene is. And I was like, oh, but I think I could do that better than you, but I can't say that because Mm -hmm. then she's just not going to end up writing anything. And I'm sure she thinks she could do it better than I could. Um, So it's just this tricky clash of emotions and we found a good balance where it'd be like this is a comedic scene avi is better at writing comedic scenes than i am so i'm gonna let avi write that um but also like the difficult putting it together then with everyone else's scenes and their characters it was just it was a hot mess we had the reading for that last night and i think it went pretty well but um i don't ever want to do that again (laughs) um yeah that's so fair yeah Dad, what was your question? I totally forgot. Well, I think you guys are you guys are swimming around it in a little bit. It's just it's it's maybe we can say it this way. 
we're messy people, all of us, and the creative process is messy. And so whether it's Lucian, who is having to try to represent the resurrected king of the universe (laughs) and and just sort of the sobering reality of that or trying to work with another individual on a screenplay or or a script, I mean, not a screenplay, or just knowing that, uh, and as you've been saying, that we're trying to tap into what the bigger story is. I, I think theater gives you all an opportunity to bring your full messy selves out into the light in some ways, but it, it's gotta be a little bit scary to do that because you're putting that then on stage for people. And maybe there's a professional distance that you have, but I'm sure Abby had felt probably pretty vulnerable last night to have something that has been so important to you now made public for the first time in the way it was being acted out. Because I mean, again, we're mess- we're all messy people and to put yourself out there, I, was it a little bit scary last night? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the the greatest plays have a sense of heavy truth. And I think every playwright unintentionally puts a bit of themselves into a show. Um, but I maybe put a little more of myself than intended into this <laughs> one. Um, I While we were doing the read-through last night, I just... I realized, oh, every single character is an aspect of myself and every single big question in this show is one that I have. Let, well, so let's wow. talk about that for a second, Anna, because I would love for you to, to follow up after this to having not had the chance to, to see it. But watching your journey as your dad for the last several years outside looking in, it seems like one of the consistent big questions that you've had and played around with is what is meaning in this life? You know, Okay, there's more than one question. It's like, <laughs> is there afterlife? Is there if there is afterlife, what is the meaning of this life? Is it all sort of disvanity? Is it pointless because death is just sitting there waiting for all of us? Like you have actually played around with some pretty big questions. I don't know how usual or unusual that is for ages eight to fifteen and seventeen and nineteen. I bet it's probably more usual than than parents and teachers and and pastors know that kids are really playing around with that kind of stuff. But that is, tell us about some of the main themes that you do play around with in this in this script. Yeah, I think when I really dug into it and I was like, okay, what is there when everything is stripped away from the show, when the characters and the dialogue and everything is taken away, what is at the heart of the show? And I really struggled with that for a while. And I realized it was just the big question of if there is death after life, then why does life matter? Because if if death, like afterlife supposedly lasts for an eternity, then why does this blink of an eye on planet Earth mm. even apply to us? And, and it's something I'd never, yeah, I'd never thought about uh, before was most people say that life is pointless because there is no afterlife, but you actually played around with the theme that is life pointless in light of the fact that there's an eternal afterlife and we're here, you know, for, for no time at all. Yeah, well, and Avi, one of the things that um, Dad and I have talked a little bit about is the idea of um, if if you can eat Oreos, right, even though Oreos are bad for you and bad for your body, um, and they, they will kind of slowly kill you. If <laughs> there is the heaven and the afterlife, if there is the heaven and the afterlife at the end of those 87 packs of Oreos, <laughs> then really what's so bad because you're enjoying your life while it's here and then you get to go to the afterlife and that's even better. Um, and I think, uh, the way that I said it earlier was it, it feels like a funny example about an unfunny question, 
of what is the purpose of life if there is an afterlife. Um, and I, I think I, I have a couple of things to say about that. Um, but first of all, Dad, when you were asking if these are usual questions for people in this age group, I don't know. I don't know that this is maybe a very comprehensive answer to this, but I think I would say it's a it's a relatively common sort of question in this age range for creative people. Um, and and Abby, you and I have talked a lot about this, and I have friends that I've talked about this with as well, where it, it feels like we spend so much time in our own heads and we spend so much time creating these worlds and these universes and these lives and deaths and stories and and the whole thing that we kind of by the nature of our craft or or what we're doing day in and day out we are facing down the questions of life and death and spirituality and does any of this matter and what is the point of it because those are all of the questions that we have to ask in order to be able to write stories well. And so it's really not a big leap to go from from asking those questions in a story um, to asking those questions about um, my, my own life. Um, but just about the afterlife piece of all of it is, unfortunately, I don't know that that's something that I have a great answer for. Um, but I, I wonder, you and I should have a little um private board meeting after this because one of the themes that I'm exploring in my book is the idea of um once you have given your life to something you can't give your life like you can only serve one master um and so that's one of the big conflicts in my book is that two of my main characters have both given their life to something else and are trying to give their lives to multiple things at once and it's kind of slowly killing them yep. um and it, it is a question of identity and and how we all function in the world and i feel like that probably ties into your questions of afterlife but i feel like that's maybe a bigger thought than i can articulate right now yeah um i have a very silly goofy thought on that um relating Amazing. to actually the disney xd show live and maddie <laughs> It's a great show. It's so good. Is that the one where the girl is, she plays both sides? Uh, She's twins, but it's That's a great show. Yeah, it actually, like, you know, I get so, you guys watch this stuff, and I have to say, my initial reaction is always cynical. I always think, well, that's dumb. And then I sit sit down for all of about uh, maybe three minutes, and And I'm then You get invested. You did it to me. It was was Victorious. Was that one of them? Yeah, there's a couple other ones. And Hannah Montana. Yeah, thank you. You were way more involved in the Jake, Jesse, Hannah Montana. I really was. I ever was. So, okay, so what's the name of the show? Live and Maddie. Live and Maddie, okay. Yes. Um, There was just a really interesting episode based on that where um, one of the main characters, Liv, her boyfriend breaks up with her because she is an actress and she's a singer and she's doing school and she's helping her mom and she has all of these things she's doing and she's really spread thin. And then at the same time, she's also dating this guy. And he says to her, he's like, I want this relationship to be my everything. And to you, it's just one of your things. 
So I think mm. that's really interesting. That's a great example. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great example yep. of exactly what it, because you can't, I mean, if you try to date two or three or four people at the same time, you get sort of. It's not going to work out. No. <laughs> Lucian, have you ever, I mean, it, it, what, can you have a girlfriend yet, Lucian? Like what, what are well, the parent rules right now at your I, house? Not, not really, but I wouldn't prefer to have one anyway. So. You wouldn't. Why, why not? Well, I mean, I've learned from experiences from playing with dating that, uh, Nobody's mature enough to. <laughs> so Sweetie, just, wow. that doesn't change. Yeah, does. I'm <laughs> that's fair. No, that's so fair. Um, so then, then I just guess. I guess it's just the person. So maybe you're just immature, Anna. Yeah. But um, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's we love right. you, Anna. All right. So um, yeah. So back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for the divi- diversion. But, so back to Anna's thought or question yeah. and playing around with some of these themes and serving to two masters. Yeah. What, what were you thinking about? Well, actually, I think it's really cool because in Godspell, one of my lines i'm actually reading matthew right now um you know just the gospel matthew yeah so it's the whole sermon on the mount thing um just a matter and and i'm doing that to connect with the 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 ideas that jesus was teaching and all those things um so actually in god's bill one of the lines is no person can serve two masters oh right or it was no servant can serve two masters and it's literally um and i love this every scene in the show they act out um and so Jesus is telling the story, but then they're acting it out. The people um, on the stage, the cast members are acting it out. So um, it just oh, yeah. sh- shows. Oh, yeah, I that. Yeah. They pantomime it. Yeah, so it just yeah, shows yeah. when um, Jesus, he says, no servant can serve two masters. He can e- either love the first and hate the second or hate the first and love the second. So, yeah, I just love what you were saying about, um, yeah, just, or Avi and Anna, whatever, um, just about... I that, appreciate you giving me the yeah, credit right there. Yeah, 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 yeah there's a lot of people here. I don't really know, man. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, um, so that there's there's definitely that there, and then there's just something really quick I wanted to touch on about um, the whole afterlife thing we're talking about, Please, yeah. and the point of life. Um, obviously, there is a point of being here on Earth. If there was no point, then we would just still be in heaven. I don't know, but like there'd just be no point in being here. But I yeah. think that a a common Christian perspective is the earth is not our home. Mm-hmm. This is just temporary. We'll be in heaven in a few short and few short years, whatever, how you want to say it. But I honestly think that like Jesus said, go and make disciples, go and like fish for men, whatever. Um, so obviously there is a point here. This world was created as our home and heaven is a destination after that. It is a reward after that, I yeah. think. Well, for sure we have a vocation. For sure we have yeah. a job here. And, and, yep. and so I think that's so well said. And Abby, I think one of the really compelling things about what you wrote, and I don't want to be a spoiler about all of this or, or take some of the, the real punch out of what you wrote, is you address that question in a really interesting way towards the end when you talk about the kind of people we're becoming in this world and, mm. and sort of the point of some of that, like how we need to grow and change. Uh, it just maybe say a little bit more about that. And I, I think you're looking through your yeah, script right now as, as, as we speak, but it was, it really caught me off guard. And yet I've heard this kind of thing before is that uh, some people will say, well, you need time in the womb, nine, 10 months before you're ready to come into the fullness of this world, because you, you need time to develop arms and legs and eyes and all, all of these things that, 
are of no use to you in the womb necessarily, but you are really becoming and growing and all of that. And so Anna, it was and Abby still, she's pointing at you now because I know you have another yeah. follow-up with all of this, but it was a really interesting thing that Abby was addressing yesterday in the script. Yeah. And, and before we get into that script really quickly, Abby, one thing that I do want to say is I, I do think, um, the, the thing that has always kind of bothered me about that Christian answer of like that we were put on earth and then after earth we go to heaven and that's like our reward for being on earth mm-hmm. is I, it's one of those really interesting things where it sounds like it answers the question of what is the point of life, but it doesn't really. Because now it I'm back to the Oreo of, thing, right, Anna? Yeah, like I, right. I might as well just crush yeah. the Oreo package and get to heaven and my reward sooner then, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. But I think um, one of the quotes from a book that I had to read for one of my classes that I've been living in lately um, is, well, and it's funny because it's one of those where it's a quote from a quote. Um, Like he was talking about a childhood book that he loved and then quoted it and now I'm quoting him. Um, But he says something along the lines of never question the truth of what you fail to understand for the world is wide and full of wonders. And I I think that's part of it too. Like part of what we talk about when we get into the creativity and we get into the community and we get into the faith and the and the beauty of the world is I think, um, oh, and you guys are both too young to have watched Dead Poets Society yet, but that is one <laughs> of my favorite movies ever. And I sob every single time. I'll have to add that but to my watch list. he says at one point, he is talking about how like math and science and lawyer and all of the things, right? Like he's like, oh, and those are all noble pursuits, but love, art, beauty, music, passion, like that's what we stay alive for. Um, And so I, again, that's like a very unformed response to that kind of question. But I think the things that we hit on in creativity and in our craft, whether that's theater or writing or art or music or dance or whatever, I I just feel deeply like something about that ties into the answer of why life matters. Yeah. And I wrote a very long thing on that, um, but I'll just summarize. The, the long story short is that the main character in the show is dead and he is back in the living world haunting someone, whatever. Um, But he struggles with the idea that he is being taught in the afterlife that his time on Earth didn't matter. And Mm. he feels that there must be something about it. So he's talking with another one of the main characters about it. And she responds to him and says, just because your life was short doesn't make it any less beautiful. It was a moment that mattered, a moment that shaped you. The tiny things added up on one another are what make us human. Without little things, there are no big things. And without life, there is no death. And if no one had been alive to grow and change and learn and become who they are, even if there is a life after death, it wouldn't matter. But without death, there is no life. Death teaches us to value our lives. They rely on each other. And one is not more important than the other, no matter how long they last. It was really a stunning capstone to um, to what you had been building up all, all the way through uh, in that. And so, uh, yeah, Anna is frantically waving her <laughs> This is maybe maybe one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done because Anna, in order to solve the technical difficulties of your microphone, we had to take your video off. And so we just see the big letter A in the middle of the screen. But every (laughs) once in a while, you turn on your camera and start waving wildly. So you have a follow up to this. 
Yeah, I do. Avi, the idea of that, um, the idea that life has an end is part of what makes it meaningful. Um, that is something from one of my absolute favorite shows of all time. And I'm going to try and keep this as spoiler free as I can, but it's tricky because this is one of the major concepts of the show. Um, but it's The Good Place, which um, Caleb and I started watching initially just because we were like, oh, ho, this is fun and silly and whatever. Um, and the initial idea is about this woman who wakes up in The Good Place, which is kind of this like spoof of heaven. Um, and meets her soulmate and whatever. And the first episode is her being like, I'm a terrible person. I should not be here. You have to teach me how to pretend to be a good person so that they don't send me to hell, basically, (laughs) is the initial premise of the show. Um, but, But in it, at one point, that is a question that gets brought up where they're like, if you have eternal bliss and eternal happiness forever, unending, you have everything you could ever want from now until the end of time, it in a lot of the non-Christian ways of thinking about time and happiness and meaning and purpose and all of that, one of the things that they play around with is then eventually it wears off and it actually doesn't take very long before that joy does wear off because you know there's no end. Um, and so you just kind of become complacent and like a, a mush monkey. Um and and so one of the main ideas of the show is that they are treasuring their life and their afterlife so much because they know that at any moment it could be over. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was such a profound show. And it's one of those that just starts off so silly that, and then ends up being one that you just spend 45 minutes crying about. Um, and it's brilliant. But yeah, I, I think the idea that life does have an end is part of what gives our time here on earth so much meaning. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I think going back to just Abby and writing this script, I think, um, uh, I've had an, I've had the opportunity to be in multiple of, um, the plays that Abby has directed. Um, and they're all super, super fun. But, um, uh, one of the times she just did kind of a knockoff version of beauty and the beast. Right. So um, that was a super fun. Um, that was a super fun opportunity, and we were just doing this to have fun, you know. Um, but that was l- still something she took off of a play. This play she wrote. You t- started from scratch here, um, and I mean, you've had help with your teachers and your student, like your friends, whatever. But um, I honestly just think it's super cool because. I think it's a lot similar to like the role that I have in this play coming up. It's really not just playing the role. It's not just acting the play. It's like and like you were saying, it's a lot of the 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 characters are all derived from like certain personalities in yourself. The questions are all questions you're asking. And um yeah, I just think that's super super cool because it's like um, I, I was in the read through last night and, you know, I played my characters and it was super fun, but I also was able to see the, the, while it may be fun and funny and there's humorous parts, there is some like, there are like people would say there's some hidden nuggets in there that are just 
like amazing and just treasures. They're just like, it's just super and you got to watch, but it's just super, super crazy. And yeah, just super cool. So I just think that's so awesome, Evie. Yeah. It was uh, the way you played around with humor at just the right times too. It's just a, a fun little side <laughs> yeah. note that, that you, you would break up sort of these heavy themes with humor and it, it was fun. Yeah. And I was sitting here as you guys were chatting and, and I was doing some horrible math in my head <laughs> and the horrible math as I went, Abby's 15, Lucian's 15, that's 30. Anna's 21, that's 51, and all three of your ages combined are still younger than me. Which, <laughs> so, oh, so I was like, wow. this, whatever, whatever mathematical uh, algorithm this that's is, it's, it's not favorable to, towards <laughs> me. But it's only another maybe piece of the puzzle. It's not the piece of the puzzle, but I think in light of what you have been considering and what you are writing about, I, I can say this too, that the longer I, in being even fortunate enough to live to 52, um, I, I think you start more keenly experiencing the absences of this world. And as you're becoming, and as you're growing and as you're loving people and, and as all of those things are so true that you're playing with, I think simultaneously you realize, oh gosh, at the end of the day, I have tried to serve a lot of different masters in this world. I really have. Mm -hmm. That and and all of those masters are they they fail you at the end of the day is what is one thing I've discovered. But I think the other thing I've discovered is that the things that my heart most long for, I can taste and touch in this world, but they aren't in they're they're not here yet in their fullness. And so I think what is there a phrase like absence makes the heart grow fonder or something like that? Um, and yeah. I think I think the ongoing absence that I experience in this world within the wonder and beauty and all of that's here. Uh, there is a bit of me that is starting at this ancient age, uh, you know, as, as dust is starting to slough off my, my <laughs> I'm returning to dust as we speak. Uh, I, I am starting to long for something maybe a little bit more. And this life has taught me that. This life has taught me beauty and love and wonder and hope and all the stuff that you play around with in, in your script. It's also taught me that you know, I, 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 if there's not something more that my heart is already learning about in this life, I think... Uh, I would be very surprised at the, at the end of it because there's longings that can't be satisfied here. If that makes any sense at all. No, from it just makes you value life just so much. And I mean, I'm, an, I've even, I'm even noticing that in myself, just like certain points where it's like, my goodness, I have so much and I have, um, I'm just blessed so much. So like, yeah, like you're saying, it just, it makes you value life a lot. Yeah. So maybe a couple of just last categories of conversation we can have before we wrap up this episode. One is, and Anna, you and I talk about this often is that, in the creative process, Anna in your writing, Lucian in your acting, uh, Abby in your acting and singing, you know, dancing, script writing, all of this. It, My 12 it, different characters. Yeah, I'm just, just She just runs around and does everything. I, it seems to me that organized religion and organized Christianity still really has a vacuum where there isn't a lot of our faith ideas that get, that get a chance to get expressed and wondered about within acting within singing within writing it just are it's sermons or it's creeds that we have to recite or sometimes it's bible verses that we have to memorize and and maybe all of those things are important in their way but do you guys and i guess abby i'll start with you is it fun or just describe what it's like maybe of course it's fun but describe what it's like to think about these things through the vehicle of art like this and performing yeah i think it's um for me personally it's very relieving to have art to help me express it um because it just since it's the way that I think I can whether I want to paint it or I want to write it I can whip out something and just 
whether it ever meets human eyes or not, I can pour my experiences with Christianity out on the paper or the canvas or my computer or whatever. Um, I think it's an absolutely beautiful vessel to express yourself and find how you really feel in your Christianity. And Lucian, I'm guessing when you have a, a night at Kaleidoscope that it really just enlivens you. Kaleidoscope no, is a totally theater company. Yeah. Yeah. It, it enlivens you maybe in ways sometimes that sitting in a pew for an hour, you know, and listening yeah. to a sermon or whatever is maybe different. Yeah, totally. Um, it's it's definitely, it's super awesome. And something I love about this theater company is that at the end of the show, everybody is literally like a family. Like it is, everybody is connected. Um, everybody's always talking. It's like, when's the next time we can get together? So I just think that that's super awesome. But, um, in my experience being that I'm just an actor and I'm not cool because I don't write scripts and whatever, <laughs> but you know, yeah. Blacker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Be more right? like me. Yeah. Somebody asked me, they're like, Lucian, do you have a hobby? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so, yeah. But you know, I'll have to work on that. <laughs> um, yeah. But as an actor, I think, um, being able to, um, to be able to, uh, carry out what is in that script. Um, obviously there's the lines that you have to say, but it's up to you what you're going to do with it. Um, so I think, um, that even, and like my youth pastor, he's a substitute teacher and he's a Christian, but you know, not everybody at public school is Christian. Right. Right. But he finds, yeah, right. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. I mean, what? I want, yeah. so is everybody in private Christian school Christian? Okay. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a different yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. Yes. No, but he finds ways of encouraging all the kids in ways of shining the light of Jesus without having to necessarily talk about that. Um, so I just think that that is something that is super awesome to be able to work with. It's like there's little, there's lines that you can say that you can say with a certain, in a certain way that just kind of th that emanates like kindness and a blessing and like all of that, if that all makes sense. Yeah. I just think that that's a super cool opportunity. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting what you were just saying about, shining the light of Jesus without like forcing Christianity yep. onto people. Cause I hate that even mm -hmm. like as a Christian, if I'm walking through the city, it happens so many times when we were in Scotland, people would like hand me yep. flyers and be like, be Christian. And I'm yeah. Like, I don't want it. Yeah. 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 It was so like, I believe what you're telling me to believe, but I kind of wish I did. Exactly. Yes. It's well, the worst. So it's so funny because the other day I got this text from my friend and I don't know if anybody has heard about this, but, it, um, I told this to my dad, but it's this kind of thing where it's like, um, if you get this text, read the whole thing from the whole, from the very start and don't end it. And then send it to 14 other people and oh. don't stop this chain. Yes, oh, yes, I hate yes. I'm, I'm watching no, Abby was, and Anna physically so, react. Yeah, right? yes. I hate those. But the, this the was divorce. my first experience of it. Cause I'd like oh. never heard about it. So it was like, it was the kind of thing where it's like, if you send this to five people and they don't respond, someone that you're in love with will quietly t send you a text back. And I was like, what? I was so confused. Ew. That's and not so, manipulative right? at all. No, I was so confused though. And it was like, God's gonna bless you tonight. And it was like, they sounded so confident. So I told dad, I was like, what is happening right now? He's like, oh, I get those all the time. Don't even send it back. And I was like, what? Because I, I totally took this as if my friend sent this text to me and it wasn't for it. It sounded like it was from him. So I was like, what is happening? I was so confused. But I just think it's so funny because it's like, forcing like you said forcing Christianity God will bless you tonight like it's gonna happen or yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. yeah I just think that's funny
I think with some of the um, creativity stuff, Dad, that you were talking about as well, and just the idea of what it feels like to create, I just know, like, it's funny, I, talking to all of my writer friends about this, I think we all have such a love-hate relationship with our, with our craft, um, <laughs> and I even had a moment the other day where I was walking around and I got a text from one of my friends who's, like, one of my idea people who I just bounce stuff off of or send her the roughest drafts that should never have seen the light of day. Um, and I, I got a text from her where she was like, all of this is great, except this last part doesn't make sense. And she was absolutely right. The way that I had done it totally didn't make sense. But it also happened to be my favorite part of that chapter. Oh. Oh, and no. I was so, I literally stopped on the middle of the bridge and just was like, Oh, are you kidding me? She's like, Dang. and my language might have been a little bit stronger than that. <laughs> yeah, because I was just—I was There's so fifteen-year-olds in the studio, Anna. Yeah, come on, <laughs> yeah. Anna. We have and little I was ears. Like, I've been thinking about it for four days now, and I still have no idea how I'm going to fix it. Yeah. Um, but there's also like I spent months coming up with the idea of this story, and there is just nothing in the world like watching it all click and watching it all come together. And I even, I had a moment the other day where I was like, why is this character here? What is she doing except for serving another character's arc? Um, and it it had been really bothering me. And then all of a sudden it clicked and I was like, oh, and that's actually one of the major themes that I've been working with. And now I can pull this out and offer it from a different perspective. And there's there's something so beautiful about it 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 almost feels like when you can hear all of the different layers of music in a song Mm -hmm. when you're like oh I can follow the guitar part and then the piano part and then the drums and then the vocals and the harmonies and the whatever and you can sort of separate the layers out of the music it feels like that and it it really is a a sacred experience and there will be times when I'm writing and then I, I will like save the document and close my computer and look up and be like, I don't have any idea what I just wrote. Like that wasn't, I I even sometimes have that experience while we're doing this podcast where we will finish recording. And I'm like, I don't even remember what we talked about, but there's just a sense of peace and fulfillment that comes yeah. from that in so many ways. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Well, I have one more question uh, for for the table here today. And it's in light of what we were just uh, chatting about a little bit, where it's basically like, please stop doing this like this. <laughs> so, okay. So for, for anybody listening, you all, all of you have been a part of organized Christianity in some way, shape or form. So how would you fill in the blank if I said, please, for the love of Jesus, please stop doing this, whatever this is, okay, related to organized religion, and because it's just so unhelpful, despite maybe, you know, the best attempts. Please stop doing this. And then how would you fill in, please, we really need this. Does that make sense? So the yeah. question, so this twofold question, well, please stop doing this. And please, we're 15, we're 21, we're, we're, please start, this is where we're living right now. So who wants to start with that one? Um, I mean, I can take it. All right, Lucian. But, um, so I, please, please stop doing, start with yeah. that. Please stop doing yeah. this. Well, I see, um, yeah, like Abby was saying, like you'll be in the streets and you'll see people like, like here, take this, come to this church and whatever. And it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's quite annoying because it, it or can be quite annoying because it's like, um, like, like you were saying, like now, now I don't want to come, you know, or whatever. But I think it's just so like, stop trying to like 
promote it. This in it's not it's not a promotion. It's not so that you can get uh like a certain number of head counts or whatever. It's just it's like the kingdom of God and the church, like the church, the all-encompassing church is community. Mm. And that's something that I'm learning. Um, and it's just, it's the community. It doesn't have to be two songs of worship that were wrote in the 2010s and up or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, all the modern songs with the big lights and whatever. And everybody is just like, what, like, I don't know, whatever is happening, you know. It's like simple songs or like just just quietly just praising the Lord or just doing something as a community that is just, uh, just praising God in the, um, trying to figure out how to say this, praising God in the, in your way, like Mm -hmm. your best, your best way and what you can give him. Like, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So that, that would be my answer. Um, if that all, yeah. So So please don't do this, Abby. Yeah. Mine would be, um, please stop expecting everyone to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I've run into it a lot when I like, I'll go to church with friends and they'll be doing the sermon. And it's so funny because lots of the sermons will be like, you aren't perfect and you don't need to be perfect, but you need to take communion because no matter what state you're in, you have to take communion. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but what if they are in a place today that isn't healthy with God and they don't feel comfortable taking mm. communion because mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. that's just not what they want to be doing at that time. Um, so I think my stop doing that would be stop expecting people to be perfect. Love that. Anna. Yeah. Abby, I think you said that so well where they're like, the conflicting messages are so strong where so much of the idea is you're not perfect. It's okay. You can just be who you are and come as you are within this very rigid set of guidelines that if you don't fulfill them, you're not a real Christian, um, which is, is so frustrating and so difficult. Um, and really, honestly, I think I would say that that's probably my stop doing that (laughs) as well is like, just having the ability to recognize that faith looks different for everybody and the way that people interact with their faith and interact with their community and interact with God is, is going to be inherently unique to each individual. Um, and then I think part of what I would say in terms of like, start doing this, um, I don't even have a great idea of how I would phrase this in a way that doesn't sound overly bitter or snarky or whatever. But, but my first thought was start teaching the Bible, <laughs> which, which sounds bad Come on, when guys. I say it aloud. But I just, I think about what I have learned in those Hebrew Bible studies where, where we are being equipped to read and understand the Bible in a different capacity um and and to understand our own faith and our relationship with God and our community and our place in this world in a completely different way um than we maybe ever will in a 30 minute sermon um and so i think part of what i would say in terms of like start doing this is start taking the congregation seriously regardless of where you came from or how old you are or where you're at in life, or where you have been in your life, and and take them seriously and understand 
like you guys are right now, like this conversation has been so good and you guys are both 15 and quite frankly, neither of you would really have a voice in the church and I'm 21 and I wouldn't have a voice in the church. And, and so I think it is the idea of like, you need to start taking people seriously and understanding that they can, their faith can't be superficial Mm. because if their faith is only ever at the beginner's level, it will never be satisfying because we know there's more. For sure. I think you said that so well. I can speak as one who has both taught in seminary and been through seminary where they train pastors. And unfortunately, the message often is to pastors that the people that are coming to church are pretty simple. They're pretty busy. They don't really think through things. And so you sort of have to spoon feed them as sort of seekers with these funny little psychological self-help sermons. And it's been that way for quite some time. So it's interesting to hear your reaction uh, to, to that, Anna, because I think a lot of people feel that way. Abby, if there's like, so what would you say, this is where we're living, like do some of these things, whatever that would be. Yeah. Building off of Anna's, I'd say yes. Like I wish the church would understand people as a whole. And I wish they would really zoom in on each individual person, because I think leaders of the church are just taking from their own personal experience as to how a church service should be led, or they're taking from one generation of people. And I was talking to my grandma about it the other day, and we were having a conversation about the LGBTQ community, and I have my very strong beliefs about it, and she has her very strong beliefs about it, and we are almost 70 years apart, and we had the best conversation about it. And I think the church doesn't understand that there's a way that you can weave in all of the different generations of people together and really hold them as a whole. And I would love to see more of that. It was mm. so fun. Mm. Well, and yeah. th- thanks really so much quickly. For- sorry about that. I, I just have one thing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say thanks so much for introducing the hornet's nest of LGBTQ <laughs> into the. <laughs> into oh, the- you're welcome. <laughs> Go that, ahead, that Anna. That wasn't even what I was going to talk about. Oh, I was just going to say, brilliant. and she's going to hate this, but that's okay. Absolute shout out to Grammy. I love and adore her. She's yes. a lunatic, and I want to be her when I grow up. She's so fun, <laughs> um, but just so willing to engage in those conversations, like. Some of the conversations that I have had with her over dinner are conversations that I will remember for the rest of my life mm. purely because she took me so seriously. Yeah. And we we had those conversations as equals, despite the fact that that she is my grandma and has known me since I am a child and has seen me through all of the worst stages of my life so far. Um, but yeah, and even now she's been so instrumental to me in doing this podcast. Like I, I regularly get feedback from her and questions and conversation and ideas and whatever. And it's just been so huge. So, um, she's going to hate that so much, but Mm -hmm. I love you, Grammy. And just a little shout out to her. Yeah. It's so fun because I know there's people of different generations that have been listening and, and it has been creating conversations for sure among uh, younger and older, but I think, and then Lucian, I'll come to you to, to wrap us up in terms of, uh, the thing to maybe start doing, but I don't, what you just described so beautifully, Abby, I don't know that that's possible within the current momentum of the church, which is still about how can we get more butts in the seats? How can we promote this? How can we market it? How can we get bigger? You just simply can't be the kind of people that you're describing and have the conversations that you want. I don't even know that you can be bigger than 20 
and have that. I, I mean, maybe there's probably ways to do it. And I'm sure church leaders would argue, well, you just have small groups then and all of that. But I just, I don't know. We've tried that whole thing for 30 or 40 years. And I think a lot of people still feel lonely and unheard and disconnected in some ways, even though there's some lovely things that will and do happen within organized larger churches. I think what you described beautifully just is almost impossible within this church growth kind of mindset. And so we just sort of get swept away uh, in, in the midst of all of it. Yeah, solution. Uh, yeah. One thing kind of you wish would happen more of or wh- what you need, what you see, all of that. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm just getting this word and I'm probably going to attempt to explain it. Um, and it's still not even come to me yet, but um, it's it's open up. That's kind of the word for... Uh, That's two words, Lucian. Re- yeah, sorry. Lucian. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, come on, Lucian. Homeschool. Yeah, yeah. Homeschool, See, I'm yeah. a shelter homeschool. Yeah, 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 I don't know how things work. You can count it as one word. I know, I know this is your first day out in public from homeschool <laughs> after 15 years, so yeah, but you're, yeah. you're doing okay, surprisingly well. <laughs> um, yeah, my the the two words um, would be open up. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, think it's, I think it's something... Um, so often I find uh, in a lot of places, and I I've just loved because I've I've had the opportunity of being able to hear a few of your sermons. But um, so you're often, looking at me, not yes, at, okay? Yes, I'm looking <laughs> okay, at you. Yes, right. Yep. Um, <laughs> but pastors can be like, "All right, I got three points for you. Here's my three point sermon. Do better. Don't do this. And why don't you do this as well?" It's enough and to it's drive like, me absolutely wild. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, and I I think it's also funny because it's contradicting to like what and like what Abby was saying, like. Um, like you're not perfect, but do as best as you can because you want to be as much Jesus as you can. Like, it's just like, well, what, what, which one do I pick then? It's like, you know, do I pick thing. not perfect? Or pick? Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. Well then I pick not being perfect. Yep. Yeah. No, it's but it's just so, um, it can be so, uh, scripted. Like, I mean, you can, uh, like here's my three points. I've memorized them in my head, so I don't need to have my iPad with me because you know all those things. So it's like, do you have any idea how much energy goes in <laughs> seminary to teach people to speak in those yeah, kinds of ways? I mean, it, yeah, it, I'm being. It, <laughs> it, it really no, you're not wrong. It's and I've said this before. It's like all sermon teaching when you have those yeah. classes, and I can't teach the classes in seminary. I just I can't do it. Yeah. But it's basically start with a funny story, yeah. have three yes. points that oh rhyme, or start with the same letter, and then finish with a poem to make people cry. That's and exactly what you get. Means. Bonus We've points. heard the same thing over and over That's and literally. over Sorry, again. I was just going to say, you get bonus points if the joke at the beginning ties into the crying at the end. Yeah, so true. They're like, you thought it's... this was funny, but now you're crying. Yeah, yeah. 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 But no, I just, I think um, it's the kind of thing where it can be so scripted. And I feel like uh, a good thing would be like, like start off with a topic, whatever, but then just go where you are feeling led, go where God takes you, go where, so almost see it as like a little talk. It doesn't have to be something where you're like performing on a stage, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I, I remember seeing you, uh, in one of your sermons, you like stirred speaking and with much to taste realized that it was going to be a three point sermon <laughs> and you like, you want, you had a fit about it. It was just, it I was did. just great. So yeah, but that would probably be my thing. Well, I think I think we're all longing for people in our lives that can shepherd, but to, but to do it in a way that's authentic. I mean, I want shepherds in my life, but I want it to be an actual real thing. Yeah. I don't want it to be a production. I don't want it to be all promoted and all of that kind of stuff. So, and it does, it just, it, you guys have said some beautiful things just about community and relationships and people and being ourselves and all of that. I, 
it, it's tough within that structure when the whole thing is about putting on the performance to, to do that well. So yep. Anna, any uh, closing comments to this episode? Um, Honestly, not really. I think just the idea of being willing to take each other seriously. Yeah. When yeah. we had our conversation with Holly and Noah about spiritual leadership, that that was my biggest thing with them. And even like recently while I was here, I had coffee um, with a friend of mine who on, she used to be my um, primary school teacher when we were living here. So she has known me since I was four. And then she and I have regularly gone out for coffee or drinks um, every time that I have been back since then. And she has just been such an influential figure in my life. And I was talking with somebody about it earlier today, and she said it really well, where she was like, she has been the person for so many people. Like she, in the times in people's lives when there has been a void, she has been the person who has filled that void. And so much of that has been because regardless of whether or not I was three or five or seven or 15 or 21, she has taken me as seriously every time, all the way through. Everything that I have had to say, every emotion, every experience, every big or little thought about the universe, she has taken that seriously. Hmm. Um, and I think if we want to start to repair our faith in community, we we have to be able to do that. And we have to be able to recognize that everybody in our community has the creativity and the capacity to tell a story of some kind, regardless of what kind of medium that might be. Um, that that is important at that points us towards that something more. Yeah, no, I love that. It just calls into mind that C.S. Lewis quote that I won't do the whole thing now, but he starts out, there are no ordinary people. Uh, there, there's no just mere mortal that we're with. And so I think when you take that perspective, whether it's somebody inside the church, outside of the church, whatever variety or stripe of person you meet, uh, that to, to take each other seriously uh, I think would go a long ways towards healing. So thanks you guys for coming in uh, today. This has yeah. just been delightful to hear. Uh, Lucian will be, uh, when, when is the actual Godspell performances? It's maybe early August. You've got is, a couple yeah, months, right? Early August. We're taping right now at the beginning of June. Yep. So you've got a couple months <laughs> to learn the role of Jesus. Yep. And Abby, you're hoping to release the script in its fullness in about a year you figure it's going to yep. take. So we're looking forward to seeing that yep. come to fruition. What is the actual name of it? Prepare the Preparations. Prepare the Preparations. What a great name. Yeah. Anna, uh, it's just been so fun. I know that we're going to see you uh, next week uh, in just a few days in Iceland of all places. And Which is I, so fun. So we won't be doing an episode next week of Deeper Magic, but we'll probably have some some reflections on that when we get back. So have a great rest of the time in uh, Scotland, and we'll see you in a couple of days. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Deeper Magic. We'll talk to you soon. is produced by Audio on the Rocks and our music for this episode is Auroras of Saturn by Music L Files you can head on over to filmmusic.io and find that there all licensed under Creative Commons 4.0 viewable on the site as well 